What's going on, everyone? This is Mike Sleater with the My Two Life podcast presented by the Pinnacle Nutrition Group. Today, I'm in St. George, Utah at a good friend's house. Um, this guy has been a big part of my life, um, watching him grow up. Two-wheel, just magician, just suffer fest. He, he does it all on two wheels, and uh, it, he doesn't really need an introduction, but we're going to give it to him. This is Blake Savage. He's on the My Two Life podcast today, and we're excited. Like I said, in St. George, Utah, in his home. We might hear some dogs barking a little bit. <laughs> and uh, Welcome on, Blake. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for letting me in your house, and thanks for me invade that that very uh, intelligent brain of yours. Yeah, yeah, it's it's awesome to have you here. I always love when I have uh, friends come to town and, and stay and kind of just talk about, you know, my town. I, I'm... People probably get super annoyed, but I, I love Utah and St. George and always kind of talking it up and people are like, oh yeah, whatever, whatever. But it's it's kind of cool to see like you're here right now and you stayed in Zion. You just absolutely loved it. And then just seeing everyone up in Salt Lake right now, just geeking all over Park City and Salt Lake and riding their mountain bikes and everything. So no, it, it's awesome to have you guys in town. Well, thanks. We, we wouldn't know about Zion if it wasn't for your family, ironically, right? right like right. It, was it not that long ago we were over there for your your brother-in-law and sister's wedding and, and you know, I got a little taste of it and we came back and the premise was to come see you. Uh, you know, as, as we all know as friends, it's like, oh yeah, I need to come see you sometime, whether it's in North Carolina or that. And it's like, we're trying to grow the Pinnacle Nutrition Group. I need to see some bike dealers. There's a lot of bike dealers in St. George. There's a lot yep. of bike dealers in Park City and St. Salt Lake City. So I'm doing like an eight for one producing content. I'm seeing friends and we're doing some podcast stuff and hopefully opening a lot of dealers to continue to do this fun stuff. So man, it's, it's a beautiful day outside. Um, I kind of, you were kind enough to postpone your PT and I think that's kind of where we should start about you, Blake. I, I kind of want to lead into a little bit what I know about you and you can chime in and, and correct me where I, where I made mistakes. We, uh, born and raised in Cedar city, Utah, yep. an hour yep. up the road. Yeah, yeah. Actually, born in Palmdale, California. Sorry. Moved there when I was uh, three years old, and then lived there till I was fifteen years old. And that's where, yeah, I, I grew up and learned how to race motorcycles. And, and um, so, yeah, that's where it all started for me. So, two wheel journey started in Cedar City, but born in uh, like northern LA, Palmdale area. Yeah, like right by LACR. You just, you just, dad wanted you buy a track. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So Cedar uh, Cedar City's a beautiful town in itself, a lot smaller than St. George from what I remember. Yep. I remember racing there, and I told you earlier, 98, 99, 2000, um, really cool track. So you got your racing, you know, your two-wheel journey started there, and you, is that your home track that you grew up racing? Yeah, so it was called Cedar Raceway, and um, so I, I think it was a Friday, my my dad had bought me a PW50. It was white and pink. Um, Seems fitting. Yeah, right. Exactly. And then um, learned how to ride it on a Friday. My dad said, hey, we're going out to the racetrack on Saturday and you're going to race. So um, quickly got into racing and just fell in love with it. And yeah, I grew up racing in um, Cedar Raceway. It was a really cool track. And actually th they held uh, Loretta Lynn area and regional qualifiers there and a lot of people would travel there i mean i remember um when i was on 65s uh, you know i raced like blake baggett eli tomac jason anderson all those guys at regionals there so and actually eli used to travel down from cortez because i was like 
that was my home track. So I was really fast there. And Eli in the, um, you know, certain times of the year, he, he would travel down to Cedar just to come race me, just to have someone to battle with. So, um, pretty, pretty cool memories there. Yeah. That, that's really cool. I think we, a lot of us have like that home track. Um, Carlswood Raceway was mine. That track was gnarly. It was like, it was not fun like Cedar City was, but my dad would always tell me, if you want to go fast, you got to ride this shit track. And <laughs> there was something about it that he was correct. I'd say Barona Oaks was the first part of my racing career track. Oh, yeah, so. I've been there. Yep. Yep. So, <clears throat> so you, I remember you on the amateur scene, we had some mutual, me and your sister had, Courtney had some mutual friends. And I remember just watching you kind of grow up and I remember spotting you 762, right? Yep, that's it. Yeah, 762, and I think my first memory of you was on a Suzuki. You had some Suzuki support on an 85? Right, yeah. So it was actually 762 came from um, my dad was good friends with Mike Kudrowski. He, he went yep. to high school and stuff with him, so that kind of adopted his number. He was That was his rookie number, and he went from 762 to 1, so that's kind of the story behind that. And um, That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, and then ironically, when I got that Suzuki – support when i was 13 or 14 years old racing off-road so that was for works correct like works off-road stuff right right i i happened to um mike had kind of transitioned or kind of come out of retirement and raced off-road so i was the mx kid with mike kadrowski the mx kid (laughs) right (laughs) so i was number 762 teammates with mike kadrowski that was really cool man that there's i love that that you know kind of hand-me-down type of thing. Mason's number is 128, my son. Mm-hmm. That was a number that I used when I came back and did a national, like, after I was done racing full-time. Mm-hmm. And that's just a random number. But I was right. like, yeah, you could have that number, whatever, dude. Like, it means nothing to me. But now that means something to me because it's his. Totally. Like, yeah. when you see that number, it kind of just, like, has this little memory to go along with it. Right. So how was that works that, you know, you did, like you said, Cedar, Cedar Raceway is your home track. Obviously, that track, I remember being a little slick, you know, beautiful setting. But you rode a lot of off-road probably because in tracks weren't prepped a lot in Utah. So you had a good feeling for dirt. Then you started going into off-road racing. And you obviously had success to get some Suzuki support. What what was your what was your highlights of your works, kind of your early on works career? Yeah, so I, w- I believe I was 13 years old and... It was actually, I was at a day in the dirt race and I was, um, um, Mike Kudrowski was there, um, that year and, um, he happened to have his, his team manager, um, Mike Webb. I think a lot of people know him. Um, he happened to be there that weekend too, and just had some really good races that weekend. I actually had some really good battles with, uh, Joey Savacci as, you know, being super young and, um, and Mike just came up to me. He's like, dude, I was super impressed with you. What do you think about um, coming off-road racing, uh, being teammates with Mike, and, and uh, I'll totally support you, give you bikes and whatnot. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing anything too crazy in moto right now. And um, so, yeah, for sure, I'll give it a shot. And, and how old were you this time? I, th- I was 13, so I was kind of like in between. At 12 to 14 years, a tough year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you were small. Yeah, cause, so I was in between uh, riding a 65 and an 85, so I was going back and forth. And um, so I w- had to transition full-time and do a, uh, an 85. And so that's kind of like where it got started and raced, uh, worked for uh, four or five years. And 
um, yeah, it was, it was super fun. First year was like full learning. Uh, I was kind of getting picked on by like my, my teammates, Mike Kudrowski, Rodney Smith, those guys. Um, they would take me out to, um, and you're an 85 riding with like, did you have any understanding how good like MX kid was like, no, not at all. And, and I had no understanding of how difficult off-road racing was at the time. And they took your dad just sent you to the wolves. Pretty much. Yeah. Like I, they took me to, I think it was called Dove Springs okay. like, or like Bean Canyon area or something out there. High desert, like high, high desert, California. Oh yeah. Okay. And I, yeah. Kiefer, Kiefer would have loved it. Yeah. Like rude awakening, like coming down hills, rain ruts, there's bushes and things like that and yep. rocks everywhere. So it was a, it was a big, it was a big, um, transition for me, but that first year was, uh, a lot of learning and I was pretty young in the class and there's some really really fast guys um and uh the following year i won two championships as a super mini rider and continued to to um kind of move up the ladder and then i went into the big bikes i was really little on a 250 right away and suzuki didn't have a uh, 125 so right away had to get used to a 250f and and racing off road and i mean with a bunch of older kids too and kind of just jumped straight into the a class so that was difficult so two more years of um learning a lot and then um, so you're 16 at this time like grinding little guy though right yep still still very little and and then um that that um i think it was 16 i forget what year it was might have been 2012 the the team just went from works to only gncc racing so then I kind of just went back into motocross racing. I think it might have been 11, possibly. And I why I say that is because that's when I started Orange Brigade. With I KTM. think you're right. Yeah. And and I'm not trying to correct you, but I remember that was when we, like, I think, I remember, you know, get becoming, seeing you coming, like, at the races at the Orange Brigade tent. I was like, man, Blake is good. I'd love to have him. And that program wasn't ready to expand yet. And we were seeing your dad at the track. You know, obviously, Courtney's a friend of Sarah's. And... I remember watching you have some really standout rides at, at Mesquite. Mm-hmm, right. At, yeah, right. and you're, I think you're on a Cowie. That was my first year back uh, as a amateur motocross kid. Yeah, and yeah. what class were you riding in B, right? I was in B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you were, dude, second, third, fifth, second, third, fifth. Mm-hmm. Like, you're c- consistent, and I, yeah. you, you you were riding really well, and, and I didn't know, it now, and that's why I'm asking, I didn't know so much about how much of works you were dedicated just off-road. And um, Western off-road at that. So to see how fast you were, like, you got back in the moto and how fast you were is pretty incredible. And then you go B, and how was you, did you went to Loretta's that year? Um, or did it, you not go to that first year? It would have been, I think it would have been 2012 would have been my first year at Loretta's. Okay, yep. That first year back, I, I actually feel like um, racing off-road maybe hurt me in the long run because it's a completely different strategy of racing and um it's a lot more um you know precision and technical you kind of go through you know the these washes and these rock gardens and then a um, little bit of moto too so you, you kind of adopt that style of racing so when i went motocross racing i didn't have the aggression like the, the fast t- switch you, you were guys. like you were not ready to race for six minutes no no <laughs> if it was a six lap race i was getting warmed up on the last lap yeah <laughs> Which so, makes a lot of sense as I look back now at your career, getting to know. Just a, we're, what, 10 minutes into this thing, and I'm like, hmm, 
This is why this guy's one of the top level trainers, and this is why his career didn't f- come to fruition like he wanted. Right, to. And if right. you could change things, no, I, I mean, looking back, I learned so much and wouldn't change anything. But yeah, if I, if I wanted to properly do it, I would have just stuck to motocross only, or just like stick to off road only. Okay, so yeah, we're gonna get into your knowledge up here about training and touch because i think both of us have a lot to talk about with that and so we we get into this amateur racing your first year you hit mesquite you probably hit um it's a lot of socal races is the time trans world you're getting your feet back wet you have cowie 250 fs right yeah yep uh bought my own bikes and raced a bunch of golden states and yep. that's when they were kind of still around yeah and your, um, you and your dad primarily sitting the road together yep right yep. right out of a van yeah yep. super rad i remember you guys your bikes were always super clean and dialed it was, it was really neat seeing just like that bond you guys you know that me and my dad had as well mm-hmm. and so many other families right and you guys did it very simple i remember like you didn't over not a 40 foot motor home and huge trailer you, no. you guys kept it what was important was the bike and the rider right mm-hmm. so and then you, you start having some success, right? 12, 13, right? You start you yeah. start ripping off some wins and getting up front a lot more. So talk about what that what you started doing to get some of that success. Yes. So I started to become like get a little bit of my motocross aggression back. And in that year, um, I had never been to Loretta Lens in 2012. I believe that was my first year to Loretta's. Mm-hmm. Um did really good. I, I qualified out of um, Honey Lake or something like that. Um, went to Loretta's in that year. I out of six out of six races, um, you know, like two classes, three motos each. I I ended up getting on the podium four out of the six, and I was second overall in both classes at my first year at Loretta's. So that was that was pretty incredible. Like I w- I didn't expect that at all. I was like super nervous going to what like. Heard about Loretta Lynn's my whole life. Never been there. I'm like, I don't know what to expect. And right away, I think I set myself up good. I got two good gate picks, three and eight. I still remember. Uh, went out and first moto, I, uh, first moto the whole weekend. Went and got a third place in 250B mod. I'm like, oh, sick. I didn't even expect that at all. So um, set me up good. And that was kind of um, one of the highlights of my amateur career, I would say, is just getting those good results there and Went back again the following year. So let's pause some, your yeah yeah. Bam, top three at Loretta's, mm-hmm. right? Is it two two third overalls? Two two second overalls. Oh, mistaken, sorry. Yeah two yeah. Two second overalls. So yeah, two two seconds. Slap my hand. Two thirds and two fourths were all for were two second overalls. For two seconds. Did you overalls. get a ride? I got nothing but a goggle deal. That exactly, year. and yeah. you know what? That's where we're. This that's bullshit. Yeah, that, that that's where the system's broken for amateur racing. They they they're so locked in with these riders that's so young, which I agree with, you know. But I was there. I was watching it. Yeah, right? and and I was managing the Orange Brigade, and you know we weren't re- we we didn't have any spots. You know, you knew you, the bikes weren't good enough at the time, and we talked. I know we talked a few times, but. Ryan Holiday and Team Green, you're on Team, you're on Cowies, you know, and there's nothing. Not even you, you get a high five. They take advantage of you in that moment with pictures and and towels over your seats and bottles and Dunlop right. hats, yeah. Dunlop hats and all this bullshit and 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 Instagram's out at the time and everyone, the Twitter's just launched. Social media is going strong hard. 2012, it's the launch of all this 
look at us, look what we're doing. And I think your generation gets caught in like, you're in the moment, you do good, everyone's high-fiving you, you know, cheering you on, popping bottles, and then you follow up with them at the race and it's cr- after the race and it's crickets. Yeah, yeah. Is it's, that kind of is that kind of a little bit of the raw of what happens? Yeah, that's that's kind of how I felt and I, actually last night I was I was watching the race and I kind of had this epiphany as I, you know, cuz I I work with um Chase Sexton's one of my athletes and he's um it's coming down to the wire for a championship with him racing Shane McElrath in that same year um I I got second overall in 250b mod that same year shane um he got second in 250b stock and he went on to get a troily designs uh honda ride and you were a troily guy yeah i was a troily guy and i mean i was on i was begging and you know on my hands and knees sending emails to um tk tk um ryan holiday and, and Ryan Holiday was from the Team Green program. He's still there today. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, and it, let's let's say so. Who won that year? Do you know? I'm sure you know. Um, that year in my class, uh, Thomas Covington won. It came down to like two points or something. And, and yeah. to, uh, Thomas, you don't get a better guy than that, right? Right. Like, well, he right. is a phenomenal guy. But your best Supercross finish is better than his, right? Right. And, and like, it's just, yeah. And, and he had he made the decision. He left. Right. Right. He left. He went to the GPS. But like. He wins. He had some a lot of support um, that he deserved as well. Like don't, we're not taking away from mm-hmm. Thomas, but do you know who in the other class? Um, I don't remember. It could have been like I think it was someone pretty good though. Um, um, it could have been like maybe Cooper Webb or something like okay. that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't. Did you race you and Dakota were, were like same year at huh, Alex? Um, or is he your? He, he was one year younger. So that was Cooper was the same age as Dakota. That's why I say that. Oh, he, what, okay. what I'm getting at, it doesn't really matter who wins that class. Is like everyone thinks Loretta's is the come all see all. If you don't win Loretta's, you, if you win Loretta's, you'll get everything. And if you don't win Loretta's, you'll get nothing. And that is so far from the truth because we're gonna get into a series that I'm gonna do is called the Road to Nowhere. It's about amateur racing, and I won't go too much in that. But it really is a road to nowhere. Right. It, yeah. Especially these days. So more about Blake because we're here about Blake. It's like so you get that success, and you got to start your 2013 campaign, right? And you don't have anything. You just did the best you've done at the most premier race. What was your 2013 A year like? Um. It was at well. So. Um. I think the year 2012. I did pretty. Oh, so that was the 13 year that you got second, second. I want to say that. No, that okay. That was 2013. So, um, 2013 still did pretty good. Like I, I kind of came up in the, um, I was, Jeremy Martin was like yep. one of the main guys in my class, and Cole Nichols was up there. Thomas Covington, um, I forget, I forget who else, but went to Loretta's the next year, and it, it was. I still did good, but it was a little bit different story. Like right away, I I got two bad gay picks, which is kind of a a big thing at Loretta's. Yeah, you, you got to get those gate picks to get that start because it's a right-handed pre- predominantly like get good gate over takes over when. Right. So right away, I mean, to start both classes got got bad starts. Made my way through, and um, I think to finish the the weekend, I was. I was I was in the top five somewhere. I think I got like a fourth in 250 or 250A mod and don't know what the 450 class was, but 
wasn't quite as good, but I, I ended up getting a deal with the GDR Honda team to go race in Canada. Which is, that. that's rad. Canada was cool, huh? It was really cool. So You had some success there as well. Yeah, so uh, right away, I had some... I had some success. I, I filled in for uh, Tyler Medallia on a 450. And at the time, in the it was the last race, so Walton. And um, I pulled two hole shots, and I ended up fourth overall, I think. Yeah, um, that's really my, impressive. My first, that, was my, that would have been my first pro race. And, and it's interesting that, you know, I'm, like, super impressed with that fourth because I raced in Canada, and people don't realize how fast Canadians are in Canada. Yeah, that was I was racing like Matt Gurkey and Dusty Clatt and yeah, Matt Gurkey's not Canadian, but he by by birth, but man, he's been there enough years. He is Canadian now because he's found yeah. a place to make money and oh for sure. But the guys that race in Canada are fast in Canada. Yeah, like, for sure. Like I remember, yeah, it's crazy. So I just want to disclaimer: like a fourth in Canada in any class is impressive because those boys rip up there. They have confidence. They haul butt. So that you're filling from Medaglia and. What you get a, a call back for the next year? Yeah, yeah. So I ended up getting, um, I ended up getting a call back saying, yeah, um, we want you to come come race again next year. And what year. year is that? 14? Um, 13, uh, 13 or fourteen. I'm okay. kind of losing. Me too, me it's too. all blended together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, did you do after your A year, then the Supercross? Did you race Supercross that that year, or did you wait? I did. So how I, was your first year of Supergo? Uh, my first year Supercross, so went out and bought um, two two Hondas out of my own my own uh, po- pocket. I went and got a loan for both of them. Yeah, the, the uh, what's it called the um, the Honda Finance Company. It's, it's it, not HRC, yep. but it's it's something like that. I'll come to me. But yeah, I I've had those as well, man. Yeah, I write I write eighteen percent interest, eighteen percent interest, yep. low monthly payment. That's it. <laughs> Upside yeah. down in six months. Yep, <laughs> it was like hundred and fifty dollar payment each <laughs> yeah, bike. Yeah, um, bikes were good though. Yeah, very good. I fell in love with the Honda. I'm like, yeah. I've, I even tell people these days, I'm like, if I were to spend my personal money on buying a bike, like those bikes, looking back just held up they were so good for for a privateer those bikes are so good but um i ended up just like simple stuff you know you know suspension built the head on it went racing and um the first couple races were tough and i was racing in a like a west coast race um with that year was like tomac kenny cunningham was pretty good that year a lot of anderson like super fast guys um, so I, I, I raced a total of six races that year. Um, did you make it through all of them injury free? No. Um, <laughs> Seattle was, was where it, it bit me and I was really close. I was like always on the bubble. I, I know for like, the main, right? For the main. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Night shows. No problem. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And like, I got, I got 10th, a couple of heat races was like fifth or sixth, a couple of LCQs. And, um, but I ended up getting a, a little bit of help from, it was, it was, um, Swanee, Swanee used to be on the team. It was a motorsport Kawasaki. Yep. And, um, that was my first, like, I was like, sick, I got a deal finally and went to Seattle and that was, uh, in the first heat, I just got landed on, broke my wrist and it was donezo for, for a month or two. So like when, when guys like yourself, man, I was much, man, like to see guys that come in, you, you came off like a career best you're getting faster getting getting faster think your business is going the right way you go to canada canada you're you've got your best result you got a team behind you 
Super people don't understand how gnarly Supercross is. It can be so deflating to not be in a main event when you're like a really good rider and you work so hard at everything you do, and then like you're tenth, you're twelfth. Then you don't want to go race local races because you're kind of beat up. You had some crashes in the whoops trying to figure those out. Like that first year in Supercross, or maybe the first even three years, it is that's a tough hump for a privateer to get over because. Your setup on your bike is pretty much wrong. Like it's not stiff enough. No, the people you it's think not. it's stiff. It's no. not stiff enough. And like watching you, I remember we were closer at the time. Like you got a little older, as you know, and, you know, at that age, you're like, oh, I'm good. I don't need. I don't need not you per se, but generally, everyone's like, oh, I'm fine. My bikes are sick. I'm like, no, dude, they're not sick. No, like, they're like, not even close to being competitive. Yeah, and and I watching that path of like, how long can a privateer or a guy on the cusp weather the storm it's right tough. like it's, it's, it's like tough. enzo lopes is finding that out now right yeah he's it, a guy it's like you gotta weather that storm and how much so how many years did you weather the storm um supercross i did i did for um one year and then i was always kind of getting offers to go elsewhere and i i so you raced one year subi yeah good yeah, for you six, you're like i'm out yeah six races got hurt on the seventh and i just yeah, it, I just realized how tough it was that year. Um, going to the track, I, I literally had an S10 and <laughs> ran off. An S10 pickup, gas. guys. People, if yeah. you're young, listen, it's a Chevy S10 pickup. It's a staple of the community. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's a four banger. Yep, exactly. And and just going to, going to the track and and like you you get your you get your suspension. It's like that's what you got. You know, that's what you got. Don't you can't you don't have anyone to go test. And you don't have a reference. Like no. If it's okay, it's stiffer. Well, it's stiffer than your too soft outdoor stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which most privateers, I'm gonna say, like their supercross suspension is probably as soft as the top moto guys' outdoor suspension. Yeah. Like 100%. It, like, like when they get to a real national track. Right. Right. Like that's how it's far everything. it's 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 the setup is so critical. So then you go to Canada again. Did you get yield up from the wrist? Did you get to Canada that year? I I barely like. I think it, I had a total of six weeks to get healed to go racing, and we showed up at the first race, and it was like just trying to get through the, try, just trying to get through the motos. Oh man, it was tough, and um, the bikes weren't ideal that year. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Um, the GDR team has gone on to, you know, grow and bu- and build this amazing team, but that first year. Um, it was, it was rough. Like they had a U-Haul rig. They had, you know, the bikes were hardly built and not, you know, not the most reliable. And, um, but it, it was still a summer that I remember forever and have so many stories from it. So I had, I had a great time looking back. Yeah, that's, that's good. So does that kind of conclude like your personal, like, or do you come back again? Um, I, I came back again, um, in 2015. How'd that go? Um, better. Um, oh, actually, the the 2013 year, I was I was always top five, even, yeah, even yeah, with like, what we had, and and I ended up getting a podium at Deschambeau, and um, was just was just always right there. And then it was almost the same exact story in 2015, but I did I did a little bit better, and my podium came at Deschambeau again for whatever reason, just liked that track and it was nothing like I'm even used to and yep. just excelled on it. And, um, that, that year, what took a lot out of me and I was like, 
yeah, I kind of got burned out of, you know, some money and I, and, um, that, that, that seems about, that, yeah. So they didn't pay you. Yeah. And yeah. Then, so that, that's kind of a common occurrence. You have everyone before the second moto is asking what club we're going to. Yeah. Then you have yeah. team managers and promoters not paying you in Canada. Yeah. Oh yeah. But they know you have nowhere else to go. Can, Canada if riders, if you're listening and you want to go to Canada, I highly suggest it. Make sure your payment is in American, not in Canadian. That's what yeah. I messed up. They're like, here's your salary. I'm like, sick. I get $1,000 a week. I get $1,000 a week. But it was in Canadian dollars. Yeah. So which you're was, getting like I, 750 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, and, and Andy uh, White was my team manager. Uh, it, was, it was the Canadian uh, factory KTM team, which when I heard factory, I expected factory. It was... <laughs> We were at a motorhome. Right. It was Eric Nye at the time was uh was um my teammate Jeff Northrup was up there racing. We had some good times. Canada's a great place. I think I remember watching you there, <laughs> and that that the name like um the announcers uh, are so good in Canada. Yeah, and they're the same. And <laughs> I I've hung out with them and even did you know went to some after parties with yeah, them. Yeah, they're they, the great they, people. It's, it's, they they <laughs> they actually do it right where they're like they know they're not going to retire from it, so they make sure they have fun. Yeah. They, oh, they, yeah. Like it's really, um, if you're in California or Florida, you're or even Georgia, Minnesota, Baja Acres, or that track, that race would be the Baja Brawl would be like ten times or hundred times the size of like a Canadian national. Mm-hmm. But what's cool is your your friend. You still probably have longtime friends from that. Yeah. Like how you're like I remember watching you from that leader from the 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 races and I'm, and you probably have fans that like reach out to you I, i've seen you on the canadian nationals because they, they're enthusiasts right they're super into it yeah so, i still get tagged in pictures on instagram from so like rad. oh look like uh, a couple weeks ago it was like uh memories from 2013 i was on on the podium i'm like oh dude that's cool yeah. that is rad that is rad so then i remember you like you said so that was your canadian like that you tapped out with that right that was it yeah no more, no more canada a eh? No, no, no more Canada. It, it that year. But then you had built. You came out at Glen Helen that year on the sick Suzuki built by Matt Jory. Yeah, yeah. That year it was like that was kind of the year that um, Suzuki was starting to get left in the dust, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> and um, but but Matt built me an amazing bike, and um, you know Suzuki gave me a couple of bikes that year and got some good support and just. Um, the Hinson, uh, the Hinson family, they, even through my amateur career, they would always be like, Hey, we'll pay for your travel, put all your bikes and everything in our box van, take the box van to the race. And, uh, Dave Dye is going to work out of the back and we're going to cover all your that travel costs. That is cost. so rad. And that is cool. Like I do remember that Hinson racing van, always so clean. Like that van was polished, yeah. kind of how PC yeah. does it, but I love to hear that the Henson Racing family has been a staple on Moto and Supercross. Amazing and The people. best products. I use their products. A little commercial break as we – a little commercial plug for Henson. We're both fans. <laughs> I use their products. Yeah. My kids do. Keep buying Henson Racing products, people. Their clutches are the best. But, yeah, that's cool. So you go to do – Glen Helen was first round, then Hangtown, right, that year? Yeah. Yeah, I did both of those. And I was in the top 20 in all the Moto scoring points and – I, I remember that year was so stacked yeah super fast super fast and um and then i went to colorado and it was like the fifth lap of the first practice and um i tweaked my knee and tore my acl and that was just kind of another another bummer 
bummer phase in in my motocross uh, motocross career your season <laughs> yeah yeah and at that point i had already had like one or two um knee injuries in in amateurs um actually the first one came like three weeks before that successful year at loretta's and tore an acl there and was just always kind of battling it and um really did some damage at colorado that year and i just decided get it fixed get it fixed and take some time off so on that note, you're, we're taking some time off here. We're going to take a small commercial break to plug some sponsors that actually supported Blake Maximum Racing Oils. You familiar with them? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, everyone here is going to listen to a little commercial from them. So we'll be right back with Blake Savage to continue on with his story. The original and unrivaled new bike in a can, SC1 truly restores that factory shine and lives up to the claim. SC1 high gloss coating is specifically formulated to protect and beautify multiple surfaces including plastic, vinyl, rubber, and carbon fiber. Water resistant formulation is safe for use on gloss or matte finishes and makes the cleanup process easier by forming a durable coating that repels mud, dirt, and debris. Can be applied and left untouched or allowed to set up and be buffed to a dry sheen, leaving a long lasting luster. Ride, clean, and SC1 your ride to keep it working and looking its best. All right, welcome back to the My Two Life podcast presented by the Pinnacle Nutrition Group. We got Blake Savage here. We've taken he's uh tore his ACL. Yeah. He's he's at round three in Colorado and he's on some proven moto. Matt Jory built Suzuki's and he's got decisions to make. What's what what decisions do you make, buddy? Um I think I took some time off and then, um, I honestly don't even, that was 2000, was that 2015? 15, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, 2016. Oh, oh, so like, yeah, just went through, went through the remainder of the year. Um, got my knee fixed, race, local races. And, and, um, that was looking back, that was kind of like the, decline of like you know i'm kind of getting over this whole like begging for parts and trying to get the money jack in the box yeah just yeah trying to get um you know i had some like family friends um almost just like helping me get to races and things like that you're coaching at the time you're doing construction with your dad like remind you i want to remind everyone like blake didn't just like have a debit card that mom and dad like pushed in he was working and trying to ride this whole time and going to school yeah like right yeah yeah. so parents listening like he's had a phenomenal career up to this point by going to school like a normal kid Mm -hmm. his his dad middle class family he's working when he can and raking races yeah so i remember doing some riding schools for you and like yeah that that got me to the practice track and got fuel in my in my tank. Yeah, to get yeah, to the track yeah. Because I, I I had empathy. I knew it. I've done it. I still do these riding schools so I can buy some bike parts here. There you there. go. <laughs> right. But yeah, so then we we get into this all of a sudden. Blake Savage, the trainer, comes out. I, one thing I want to touch on going back. I don't know what year it was, and I, you're not, Blake's not a guy that is on social media to tell everyone how great he is. That's not your style. So I want to, and you're not going to tell everyone how great you are here. But I want to I want to touch on um, I want to touch on um, one thing and and sorry we're having some GoPro issues we're filming this but it's all right anyhow back to it the coup de gras is a very really 
it's a really gnarly race that the Day in the Dirt puts on. Day in the Dirt's a big race. Everyone's pretty much familiar about it now. It's a two-hour something race. You have to run a small tank, and it's so demanding because you spent the whole weekend eating like a pig. Hopefully, can you can drink a lot of beer. Yeah. And then you have to go out and race this race that you don't know when it's going to end on a track that has been prepped the entire weekend. This was at Glen Helen. And they had a lot of gnarly prizes. Like, every one year, Rhino won it. He won like, some car that was like a junker car, but it was all painted because Kenny Alexander at Fast House does cool shit always. Mm-hmm. And I think you got it's like the worst trophy that year that I remember. Like, there was all these gnarly ones, but you come out and just wha- handled everyone at Coup de Gras. And there yeah. were some bad dudes there, right? Like Yeah, super. Like, all factory KTM at their semi there. It's turned into a race at this time. It was like, we race sometimes. Now, the day in the dirt at this particular year was a mega race, and guys were like, came into play, and you worked them. Yeah, I always loved that race because it was, it was kind of like an endurance race. Even the even the pro race is like 45 minutes or something like that. So yep. I had the background of uh, being an off-roader. So the, the long-distance races plus moto style, it's like a little bit off-road, but not really off-road. It's like... They take a dozer and like just doze out. And you of, have that back section. sketchy section across the road where you just get head shaken and you yep. come back again with, on the fire roads and get more head shake. Yeah. And try not to slide out on the asphalt. Dodging then, lappers. Dodging lappers <laughs> of all kinds. And then you get up on the REM track and it's just just washboard bumps and it's so dynamic. I think my best finish was third ever there and it was it was gnarly. Like I, I was pumped on that. But I remember you just handled everyone what trophy do you remember what trophy you're what because they do unique trophies by the way it was a it was guitar. a fifth scale um rc car a four-wheel drive rc car which it, it it's actually in my dad's garage right now it's hanging up but it's got a custom paint job and all that which is cool Troy Lee was still a part of it at that time yeah yeah, yeah so he, he has ha- a custom paint he painted hand it but yeah looking back i've i've raised coup de gras like um four times i yeah. think now and and you know one time it was like Timmy Wigan won a, when he like was a, a fridge. Yeah, and like, like cool this, shit like that. Yeah. So, Guitars. Right, right. Just but, really cool I mean, stuff. We're not taking anything away from what Kenny did or doesn't do or whatever, but like, you know, when you're looking to win some race and it's a unique prize and, or trophy and then it's like, <laughs> oh, an RC car. They This was a last, someone let them down on something else you could tell and Traxxas gave him some car and Troy yeah. painted it. But at that point, it was like, I've, tr- I've tried to win this race and I had actually gotten seconds and thirds. Um, and finally won this race and I, I, it meant a lot to me actually um, that whole weekend was really cool I, I raced two team races with you actually yeah, yeah we killed everyone that yeah race, I think one won both of those and then um, I raced the uh, the pro race on Saturday it was 45 minutes and um, pretty fast guys it was like um, Toby Price. Toby, was, yeah, is Toby Preska a uh, Dakar champion? Yeah, you yeah, handled him. Super, yeah. And super he's good. gone on to win it before. I think Andrew Schwartz won it. Strang's won it. Yeah, like these. This is this is a we race sometimes race, but this yeah. is the, the people coming up. The off road community rallies behind the coup de gras because you don't know when it's going to end. It's two hours plus whenever right. they want. Right. Yeah, and and actually the the following year Toby had beat uh, Taylor Robert and Zach Osborne, so it was like. Toby's no fluke, dude. And yes. And uh, so I beat him in the 45 minute pro race on Saturday and then two hours on um, on Sunday in the in the coup de gras race. And I hounded him for for two hours. And then like, I think it was a two laps to go. And and he he went into pit for gas and 
and I did too. And I came out ahead of him. Like I just followed him right on his wheel for, for two hours and then ended up getting him with like a lap and a half or two laps to go and ended up winning the thing. I was like, no freaking way. <sighs> and my, my bike actually at the time I didn't even own a motorcycle. I borrowed my buddy. His name is Brandon Kalmakia and um, he actually lives in Cedar and, and uh, I borrowed his stock uh, and I mean stock pipes, stock suspension. It had handlebars on it and uh yeah and, and i ended up winning it just everything was clicking that weekend dude that was so rad i remember watching that it was so sick i mean your dad was fired up your sisters we were all fired up for you and I, I like you said i was the weak link of our team but we we pulled it off so that was rad on those team races um if you haven't raced any day in the dirt either in australia or uh um obviously Glen helen you i recommend doing it it's a it's it's a damn good time for sure it's yeah. it's a it's a great great time so that was kind of like i had to touch on that because that was cool probably in our timeline if it's towards the towards the end right but um then you start you know your name as a trainer comes up and we just talk about a long race your off-road career your supercross career and then we've mountain biked many times together throughout these years and you're always just at, you're just so strong and so efficient and you had it in you and you know, you understood the fitness side of things. What kind of parlayed you into getting into this elite training that you're doing now? I, w- I was always heavily into it. And um, I don't know, it's just maybe it's from how my dad raised me or whatever. But I was always just grew up with a, a lot of uh, work ethic and and just determination and just block everything out and and kind of go after your your goal. So. I, it was no, you know, I, I had a lot of work ethic and super focused on trying to be my best. And unfortunately my, my resources and things like that kind of held me back. But, um, it, it was the end of my, um, I think 2015, um, my 2015 outdoor in, in, uh, Canada. And actually to start that year, um, I started, I linked up with Ken Roxon and, and through my sister was, uh, kind of, a an agent at the, uh, Wasserman media group, yep. same, same, um, agency that Ken Roxon was, uh, working with that year. And, and, um, you know, my sister and I, him, uh, started talking a bit and my sister's like, Hey, what, you know, like Ken wants you to go on bike rides and stuff with you. Like we want to go. I'm like, Oh sure. You know? And at the time I was like, full Ken Roxton fan like the the kid was unbelievable you know, right? and yeah. and yeah and and seeing him win that um that 2014 championship and I'm like this kid's incredible like personality um sick on the on the bike like unbelievable style so um like met him he's super outgoing super you know makes you feel comfortable to hang out with him so him and I clicked really really um quickly and um bike rides all the time going to the track all the time and he was seeing he was seeing how i was doing it and, and he looks back and being like dude i don't blame you for for hanging up the boots but um yeah um that that like just how how well we got along and and training like we were both on the same obviously he's like way better than me on a motorcycle but as far as training we we're we we're very close and our personalities kind of and methods methodology about how you did it right exactly so and he kind of like your relation with Kenny as friends getting to know him through Courtney your sister 
he kind of like gave you the push probably a little bit, huh? Well, like, it was it was the end of that year, and he said he said like, well, what do you think? Um, it it was the end of the 2015 year. He said, what do you think? Like, I just I'm kind of on my own training right now. At at the time, he had um, separated from Alden, and he's like, I I need a guy to just go on bike rides with, go to the gym with. What do you think? Like, I will. What will that take? Yeah, what will that take? And and sure enough, became pretty much an employee of Ken Roxon and and um, being his train training assistant, trainer assistant, and and then um, yeah, that's kind of how things got started. That's it. That's how uh, Leninovich was for me. Like he just he worked through a few trainers, and I was still racing at the time. Yeah. And he's like, man, like you train your ass off. Like I've seen someone hold me accountable. Yeah. I know what my body needs, but I need, and then I didn't quit racing obviously and become a trainer, but yeah. uh, there's a reason why. But, um, you know, you saw that as an opportunity, which I commend you for. And you went all in. Yeah. And, and actually at the time he, I still had full intentions on going racing supercross that year. Oh. And he was going, he, he was, um, on the RCH team and he's like, you know, I had the connection with uh, Suzuki, so I was able to get bikes through Pat Alexander and and things like that. But still, man, trying try, like people kind of um, they promise you some things and don't don't end Time up deliver. coming through with it. And I got to a point where I was it was kind of crunch time, like end of end of November, and um, getting ready to go race Anaheim one. And I'm like, I don't even I don't have uh, suspension or a motor yet. Uh, competitive at that so i'm like i am so sick of this like we were in training camp and i'm like i have a stock bike and like it's not doing me any good i'm sick and tired of this like i need to get control of what like what my future is and i'm i'm tired of being a broke motocrosser begging for for motors and suspension and and parts and you know trying to find money to go to races so yeah so you 2016 you you just like turn the page change change the narrative right like blake savage becoming a professional trainer i think i think what did a lot for me was um actually that year is like i i was training with ken but then he also had hired a trainer peter park i think a lot of people have heard that name now near santa barbara yep yep and i'm still like peter's still one of my best friends and um, just the guy was just uh, awesome. It's just so, so cool right away. We, um, we got along really well and, and it kind of took my personality of like, I love to put in the work training and all that. And then he taught me so much throughout, throughout that year. It, it just like, it was like, I got the worth ethic work ethic. Now I'm learning about now you're getting the science, the details of, in the science of training and uh and the the body and movement and everything like that so i was like this just feels right for me this seems like something that i can do um for a career so that's, that's where cool it took man off. i yeah that i mean i'm on the outside looking in and watching it so it's really cool to hear like the details out how, how it came about i mean you could probably say like hey better equipment better this and moto it wasn't the, it wasn't going to change a whole lot no. Right. Like, no. like you're like, 
my speed was my speed, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I can look at it like KTM gave me the best equipment through most of my professional career like that they could ever give me and I had better equipment than the factory guys. I ran out of talent. I'm okay with that. I think yeah. you're I think you're probably the same, right? I'm the same, for sure. Like I'm it's a great isn't that a kind of a great feeling? Yeah, it is. It, I'm not I'm not yeah. blaming it all. I'm just like, "Oh, I just didn't get the bike and I didn't get the team." It's like I I could have gotten better for sure. Um But you'd have to start the same process over again. Yeah. Like yeah, timing, sure. like you could have no Kenny, I don't wanna do this. I don't wanna help you. I wanna get I wanna be have my best ever sixth place finish in a main. Mm-hmm. And which then is, and then miss an opportunity great, which is great. Yeah. Taking nothing away from that, right? Yeah. But you, you have to look at like is the juice worth the squeeze? Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and I think you were very you know, a lot of other guys too, but like you gotta draw a line, okay, what's my future hold? This is an opportunity, I'm good at this. And you were still involved. Right, you're still involved. You get to see, you get to see your athletes perform, and you learn from. You get to learn. Your learning curve and earning curve are actually yeah. going the right direction now. You weren't learning as much racing. You're learning about the bad, and you were earning less. Yeah. So a good friend of mine, a mentor, Greg Matherly, told me, when your learning curve and earning curve are going the wrong way, you need to do something else. Right. Totally. <laughs> and I, I also think, um, so kind of in between. Um, my, my dad's a contractor. My soon to be father-in-law is also in construction. So, you know, after in between races and at the end of series, like I would go to work for my dad and and make 12 bucks an hour or whatever. And it, it felt good having a little bit of money in my pocket. And, um, I was like, man, is it, is it worth the struggle to just like be penny pinching and, and, uh, barely, barely making it to races or, or should I, um, you know, actually start a career and, and start to make money and, you know, be able to have money to buy my own house and, and just have that freedom. And I just got sick of not having control of, of, you know, financially. And I, at the time I'm like, you know, 20 years old or something like that. And, um, so that I was actually, before that even came about, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like sending out emails to try to get like go racing. And then I'm working construction also during, um, you know, in between. So, um, then Ken's like, Hey, why don't you, why don't you like commit to this with me? I'll pay you this much. And, um, and for me, I was like, no way. Here's an opportunity for me to actually be making money and stay in the sport that I love and maybe even start a, a career. That's awesome, dude. That's awesome. And you uh, had some success with him right away. Or actually, you had, when was, so you're now Kenny's full-time trainer and working alongside Peter Parks, right? Right now? No, no, back then. Back then, yeah. Yeah, um, and then you guys went on a tear, right? right? You guys as a team, you and Kenny? For sure, yeah. He, that that year, he had a pretty good Supercross season. Um, was, um, wasn't his best ever. Um, he still won races and, and I think he ended up second that year behind Dunge. Um, but the, the outdoor series is where he really like did some damage that year. And he won, I think he won 20 out of 24 motos that year. And, and man, we, we were on top of the world. And then we go into the, uh, we switched from Kenny switches from, you know, RCH to factory Honda. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's how it went. So. At the end of two, 2016, yeah, and then he 2017, 17, he went to Honda. Yeah, and then that's when he hurt his arm. 
Yep. Yeah. Right. That year, I mean, we had a great off season again, and and uh, that he was even better. Were you? Did you? Was Kenny your only client at that point, or did you have anybody else? Because you, you, people quickly started to see what you were doing with him. You know what Kenny's mindset was, right? Or were you still prim- predominantly just Kenny's guy? Um, I want to say that I picked up Chase. Chase in 2016, more towards the end. Yep. Okay. Um, so he was like my first legitimate client, and he was still in the amateurs, number 486. We're talking Chase Sexton. Yeah, Chase Sexton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just let listeners know. And um, so he was. What a great kid that is! Wow. Yes. And family, the whole deal. That was the f- yeah for for sure like. His dad, his parents, everyone is is they're amazing, and Chase is, you know, super hardworking. But um, but yeah, he I ended up working with him, and I'm like, it went from the feeling of being like, I'm a I'm a you know assistant trainer for for Ken, if you will, or just like a training partner, someone that holds yep. him accountable and pushes him, to um building programs. I got my own guy now, and, That's so cool. and it felt like now I'm I'm writing workouts and and like coaching this kid that's so cool man yeah that that's really you went from you know i don't want to say filling but like yeah essentially a filling guy no yep. to like having a factory ride as a as a trainer so right. that's pretty right. that's and you know i got to work with chase just for a week in czechoslovakia managing the junior worlds team that's where i met chase and his dad and mm-hmm. wow what a great great kid work ethic and you know so, so you're now into, you know, you're having some success and then, you know, I'm, like I told you before that I wanted to make sure I could answer, ask some questions and we'll get into it. You know, there's your, your rider has a hurdle with his arm. He comes back from that and then you have a hurdle. You crash, you start riding again. Which I think I heard from the grapevine that, you know, like Ken's like, oh, it's great that you ride with me. You can feel the bike. You can understand the more. You're like, you're such a, you're, you're the science of riding. You want to understand what the riders are feeling, making sure the volume you're telling them off the bike is correlating the, the volume mm-hmm. on the bike, correct? Like, yeah. there's some methodology, but you weren't just riding to have to ride. You were like, if if I'm doing something and I agree with it as a trainer, I want to make sure that it feels right. Like, yeah. if you're having them do 200 miles, I'm just using these numbers, 200 miles a week on a road bike and, you know, four days in the gym and this, and putting the volume on the dirt bike, is that too much? Well, I'm sorry. Other trainers that don't know moto don't feel it. So, no, so you were like really getting satisfaction to be able to feel the workouts that you're putting in at riding at a small volume, correct? Yeah. I, I think that's why guys like um, like Swanee or yep. Johnny O and all those guys, like they, they've been there where you get to a certain point where um, you've, you've trained and rode so much. It's like, okay, when do we back off? And I, I can kind of like – just look at look at the guys like look at Chase, look at Ken, and be like, okay, it's ready to ready to step off the pedal for yep. for a little bit and and kind of relate and and um, this the relationship and and the communication and you know how we how we talk as a as a team is like I th- I feel like that's one of my strong suits is like I can it's like they're they're racing but I like I can feel what they're going through and I you almost know, know you know. Yeah, like just the way they look at you in the eye that that morning, and like you're a little bit fatigued that day, or like you're you're firing on all, all, all cylinders, cylinders right yeah. now. Yeah. So when let's, let's you know, <clears throat> right now Blake's paraplegic today, right? Yeah. Today, what happened that day? You know, we touched on your ride with Ken. Um, what happened? 
like what, what, what was the environment like you were you, you were riding supercross i believe yeah yeah so it was like once once i decided to stop racing and riding it was like just done i was not not interested anymore um didn't have the drive to to go ride anymore um so i i took i took um you know like the first year i think i only rode three or four times and then um i was like you know what looking back like i i am a good motocross rider and i i almost take it for granted too um you know i wasn't at the top of the sport but i can ride a motorcycle really well yep um, yes, so you can. <laughs> I started, I started getting back into riding and, and having fun again. And, um, and it was in, it was after the second race in, uh, Glendale, um, the, the Glendale or Phoenix race. And, uh, it was, it was raining, um, over, over that following week. So we, we made a plan to go up here to St. George, Utah, and there's a supercross track down in Mesquite. And, um, everything's pretty tame it's not like full, full blown built, but it's, um, it's not, not easy by any means. It didn't, it didn't have a, a full blown set of whoops or anything like that, but had the, the normal triple and rhythms and everything like that, like everything that, um, I know I can do. And, and they happened to have a bike and it was, it was like pretty stock and, um, yeah, I was riding that whole day and doing all the rhythms, no problem. And um ended up just coming around uh w- one lap and and there was like this triple triple on off section and um i don't know if i got wheel spin or or what but i just barely i i clipped the first triple in and i don't know if it was the the soft stock suspension which i probably shouldn't have been um even riding but i was like just excited to go racing like at that point I'm like I'm I'm gonna get back into riding for fun and um ended up casing a uh the first triple in and from there just remember getting thrown over the bars and uh bracing for impact and you know hit my head a little bit so I was a little bit knocked out and uh but I I got up and you know, Ken rolled over to me and said hey you all right like he could tell I was you know kind of a little bit dazed and confused and and then from there was like that moment that nobody ever wants to go through. And, you know, I, I tried to go like sit up and I remember I was, I was a rider that I'd hit the ground hard and I'm yeah. getting up like yep. my dad kind of like, yep. you know, bred that into me. Like, you, you know, you get up unless you're really hurt. So went to sit up and it was, a uh, it was hard to, it was hard to sit up. I wasn't, wasn't yeah, able no. to move. And, and I just remember them asking like, you all right, can, can you feel your legs? And, this one's different, guys. Like, no, I can't feel my legs. Oh, and, and, and this, guys, this, this guy at this time is in the best physical shape of his life. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm talking Blake is. He is doing triathlons. He's doing yeah. distant. I mean, tell us about you were doing all this. I mean, we'll let you finish. So he, this at this time, Blake is in the best. He knows his body better than he ever has. And now you're on the ground. You can't feel your legs. Right. Yep. Just taking, like, everything that you do, the – the running, biking, swimming, everything that I do for my job and, you know, being in the gym, squatting, deadlifting, all that is uh, no longer able to do that. So it's a tough pill to swallow. And, you know, you, you, uh, this was in Utah. So where do they take you from there? Um, it was actually just across the border in Mesquite. Yeah. In Nevada. Sorry. So I went to just the local hospital there and then they 
transported me up here to the St. George. Like, uh, how was your care? It was really good. That's good. Yeah, yeah, super good. Um, was in the hospital for was six it your, weeks. Your back or your neck? It was my neck. It was uh, I fractured C five and six and uh, incomplete spinal cord injury, so it's not severed all the way through. Still getting some some sort signal. of signal through there, and um, yeah, ever since it's been just a recovery process and. How many? How long? Those. How long after injury are we now? Um, I want to say so. I think it's like a, it's been a year and a half. Year and a half. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you made a lot of strides. I walked in your house today. You look better even. Yeah. Like straight rhythm. You looked a little more frail. Like that yeah. was in se- September of almost, yeah. So we're, it was eight months ago and you look good. Like yeah. today you look good. So in this time, the industry rallies for Blake Savage, right? Is yeah. that, that like road recovery steps in? Yeah. Yeah. And, big time. And you know, your clients stick behind you. Yeah. All, everyone and, you, and yeah. you just you you don't lift you don't lift off the pedal you're back you're never stopped working no nope um you just adapt 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 it yet your whole life has to be adapted to new right new new lifestyle yeah i re- i remember being in the hospital and i took like uh i think four days off and and right when i started um like right after my injury i could barely like i couldn't even barely pick up a water bottle like your my, hands look better right yeah like like your hands since eight months ago you look you have strong grip now like, yeah they're probably like 80 percent of what yeah. they were but i can do i can do everything and but you're still um, seeing, seeing signs of improvement yeah oh yeah all, all the time that's so yeah. cool man but it yeah it's turned from it's turned from being like okay instead of your you know your training and your purpose is behind um you know training with your guys or or doing triathlons now this is just a you know, your work ethic and everything goes into now recovery and, and a hundred percent, like that's just bred into me. Like I said, is like, get better, get up. Yeah. Get up, get up. And like, you know, brush the, it off the discipline and, and showing up at the gym or the, or the PT is, uh, is now my focus. Yeah. And it's it man, like, you know, we weren't, we're not extremely tight, but we do our best to keep in touch. And the first time I saw you in a chair, man, it was hard. Cause the last time I saw you before that, we were hiking angels landing. Yeah, which was not long I was terrified. Yeah, <laughs> terrified. <laughs> and you're just laughing. You and Bailey are just laughing at me. You know, and swinging I'm, off the chains. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm just Angel's Landing's a hike in Zion. Everyone, Google it. It's insanely hard, and this this animal's running up the mountain sideways and backwards. And anyways, and then I see him in a chair, and it's just hard. Like we've seen, we've had friends go through it. You know, Jesse's one of your. You know, you looked up to him, Jesse Nelson, yeah. or you guys are rivals. Yeah, yeah, sorry. yeah, rivals and and, and now really good. You, you supported him through his when you were healthy, and now you're you guys are going through the same struggles, right? Yeah, and now it's we're like late. you can really relate, but it, it's 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 hard as a friend to see your friend go through tough times. But then I look at what you've you've never came across bitter, you know. You never came across that, you know. This is unfair to you from my perspective, and I commend you for that for just taking you know a lemon and making a house of lemonade right right and right. you know you're 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 probably you're you've adapted you're you're doing a lot more than you were like it's like business right you you when this pandemic started with P, the with P&G P, the Pinnacle Nutrition Group we were so event focused that I had to quickly work on our digital presence right right you adapt I adapt yeah and that's your story of your your life right now yeah, you're just talking about 
Elon Musk doing something possibly with technology to help with fixing spinal cord injury. Like your digital side, because you can't just work harder. You have to work smarter. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, like spinal cord injuries are so, so tough because I mean, they're, they're all different. It's not like, you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, like you can walk in a pool. Like what's the problem? You, you just like don't have the strength and stuff. And I'm like, no, it's not, not a strength issue at all. It's just like your connection, your, your, your wiring down to your extremities is not getting that signal anymore. And, um, so now it's just like getting it processed to your brain that like, this is how we, like just your motor function again. And it, and it's tough because like, there's no, there's no guarantee of what you're going to get back. Um, the only thing that you can do is just not give up and just continue to continue to work and give yourself the best chance you can to, to get back walking. And that's what I've done. I've, I've adapted and I mean, I've had, I've had my times and and days in between where I'm a little bit, a little bit bitter and, um, but I'm, but I try not to look back because I, I just noticed like if I'm, if I'm looking back, then I'm in a bad mood and, and like, it's not doing me any good because I can't change the, I can't change my story anymore. So what are you going to do? Just like cry, cry about it? Or are you going to, it's like looking back in a race, right? What comes, what good comes from looking back in a race? Nothing. If your guy looks yeah. back in a race, what's the first thing you say to him? Yeah. Why the hell did you look back in the race? Right. You're, yeah. yeah. Quit, quit being stuck in the past. Yeah. Yeah. It's if, if you're looking behind you, you know, um, it's, I mean, you're nothing good's coming from it. No. Unless you take the good, you learn good. Yeah. And I and feel like I've, I've been blessed too with, um, my family and my, my fiance and, and also, you know, my, the, the clients that have, that have stuck behind me, Ken and Chase, they've been unbelievable. So <laughs> along the way, that's oh, my dog. <laughs> we got, we got, we got dogs in the house. The Sleater family just scared them. They're running <laughs> outside. But, uh, like um, I said, we're at Blake's house, luckily to be here. So, but yeah, um, so yeah, it, it was, I guess as easy as, you can let him. You can let him out. We're we're gonna let the doggies out. One <laughs> second. One second here. That's Jax. You probably know him. If you if you go on my my Instagram page, you'll see him. He's a big golden retriever. But yeah. So my um. So I I got I got pretty lucky with um, with my my circumstance. I feel like I, you know, for as as crappy of the situation as it was, I had so many people and so many supporters behind me that it's like, you know. I could feel bad for myself, but there are so many people out there that have it way worse than me, man. Like I'm still able to continue to stay involved in a sport that I, that I love and, uh, you know, find out who my real friends are. And there's so many incredible, incredible people that have stuck behind me and how supportive my parents were and my fiance and I'm now engaged and, um, a lot so, of, a lot of good things have happened since then, right? Like yeah. it's not all bad. No, like, it's definitely not bad. And, I mean, the obviously the worst thing that's come out of this is um, not being able to walk, um, but just the perspective that it gives you, and and I guess you can you know go two ways with it. A lot of people will will get bitter and and uh, kind of let this injury tear them down, and they'll get bitter about it. But um, I chose not to, and and it's taught me a lot of lessons and things in life to be appreciative of um the little things dude uh, amen to that my man i'm not a huge spiritual guy but you know 
anyone that listens to this needs to understand like we all get dealt cards sometimes and it's it's how you play them after you're dealt and I think Blake's a prime example of you know playing this poker game of life is he's been very strategic and and he, he does take risks and but he has calculated risk in that and you know he's all in. Whenever he does, he's all in. He puts those chips all in, and when they when he lays his cards down, he's confident in what he's done. Yeah. So, with with that message, guys, I'm gonna take another commercial break real quick, and then we're gonna go into a little bench racing about where we're at today with this this coming back from the pandemic. We're at SLC three is done, right? Yep, yep. And one. and I'm gonna continue on up the road, but before we before I continue on the road, we're gonna get get into a quick little bench racing session about. What we see from Supercross, the sport we love, and it's Blake's um, job to make sure guys win. So uh, we'll be right back after these messages from our sponsors. If only you held the keys to ultimate clarity. Vision unrestricted. Performance unhampered. Unparalleled technology. Developed beyond perfection. Ahead of the pack. Giving it 100%. Introducing the Armega. Bringing Ultra HD to motocross. All right. We're back. My Two Life podcast presented by the Pinnacle Nutrition Group. We're going to do some bench racing. This is going to be good, man. I love this. I haven't got to do this yet in my podcast. I'm yeah. a moto head. Cool. So I'm, I'm going to give you my takeaway. This You don't even know how to do this yet, but I'm excited to with this yeah. little bench, bench racing segment. Oh. I haven't talked to Blake about the race yet. He has two uh, horses in the race with Ken Roxon and Chase Sexton. Yep. Both in the title hunt going into SL uh, Salt Lake City round three of our coming back. Muddy conditions, dude. I'm watching it um, in Scion on my phone on NBC Sports Gold. And I'm watching this stuff, and I'm like, dude, it's gnarly. Track is super gnarly. You got Chase and Shane that are sharing the red plate. You got Kenny, who's how many points back before the round? Like six points back? Um, I think it was more like nine. Um, like ten to twelve. I'm sorry. Yeah, he, he's in. He's in it. He was, he's in it. Yeah, we're going on a mud race. Definitely gnarly. So we have a title title hunt, and and all these riders are staying in Utah and Park City, Salt Lake City area, They're at thin air. And we've seen already the first two rounds, dude. Guys are dropping like flies. Tracks are relatively easy. I'm watching. They're like round. Two had some legit whoops. The first round was so easy. I legitimately, I'm not, I don't say as much, but I get around that track, no problem on yeah, that track right. to the day at four, almost forty. But guys are pulling off. Yeah, uh, elevation and this time of the year, like they never race this time of the year. Dry and, and hot. Yeah, it was like ninety five or something like that, and I think there was seven guys that DNF'd or something not really. like that. It was just. Yeah, it's kind of pitiful, actually. Pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. Like boiling, flu- bo- boiling fuel. Like, I mean, guys. Like, I'm disheartened. That guys didn't do some more research on what they're getting into. Like, they had time off. Had, I was expecting more from some other guys. Um, you know, like Plessinger, I thought would come out swinging better. Um, you know, Barsha, I thought with that break, he's that guy that comes into a one and smashes it. Yeah, yeah. But it showed me, man, the guys that are the best. They they kept the what they were doing. They didn't rethink what they were doing after the break, and they came out firing McElrath, Sexton, Kenny, yeah. um, Cooper. Right away, back. it was like it was like we picked up where we left off. Where we left off, yeah. What, I mean, am I? Uh, it was crazy. Hundred percent. I was like, oh yeah, you know, like 
um, like you said, like Bars is going to be really good, and and you just never know who's going to come out. It's like you thought the field was going to be scrambled again, but it wasn't like that by any means. No, I, I thought it was going to be this pressure right racing and like you know no fans. Like it's just so different from a guy you feed off that. And maybe Barshall's a guy that feeds off the energy of the fans or that moment, and you're not having that. It really hurts him. I don't know. I'm, I'm a Barsha could, fan. Could, yeah. I'm a Barsha fan. Like, and disclaimer, guys, that if I might listen to this that are pros, you probably won't listen to it, but I'm a fan of all you guys. I'm just bench racing here. Of course. Just yeah. talking. Me just too, talking, actually. Just talking shit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm a, such a fan of the sport. But to see that first round pretty easy, and then the second round, it was a little a little tougher. Like, the pockets got soft, like, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then we went into round three last night. Chase choked a little bit round two chase sexton going to the main event he slid yeah. out right yeah i don't know if um yeah i was feeling a, a little bit of pressure or whatever but he yeah just made a made a bobble and uh, i shouldn't say choked he made a he made a mistake yeah came pushed, on lean angle and pushed the front end yeah yeah i mean the the track is um the dirt's so slippery it's pretty slick and, and pretty marbly and uh, yeah let him in um yeah the track's pretty slick and marbly and he just went in and pushed the pushed the front on a, on a flat corner, and um, ended up not having it having his best nine, losing some points. And at that point, you know, now he's tied with Shane. You know, it oh, was from another great ten guy. points. Yeah, Shane's Shane's amazing. And uh, yeah, he went from uh, ten points up to now he's even. So going into SL. Oh, and you know what was rad about Chase Sexton on the podium? He was pissed. Yeah, if if you know Chase, like. And he, I don't know him that well. He's pissed after after a free practice if he's not fastest. That's just he's like the nicest guy, and to see, and I love it. I love seeing emotion. Yeah. Not like tell, he told the story like I'm not I'm not fucking happy right now. No, and he and the thing I like about Chase is like most guys I would be concerned like hey dude like don't let your emotions get the best of you, but he somehow like he doesn't let it get too unraveled. It it actually fuels him in, in a positive way. So. And, and and we can go into that now. We'll fast forward to Salt Lake City round three: mud, rain, sleet, probably some snow. Yeah, snowed last night. Yeah, and dude, he wins his chase, qualifies second, first, first. Sorry, first, yeah. sorry, Shane second. Mm -hmm. Right? Okay, we know who the horses are. Yep. They're they're one two. This isn't. They're both sharing a red plate. Yep. And yeah, right away those guys. You know, whole shot there, he raced there. It's like championship time. Like they're, Dude, they're it's going like, at it's, it. It's like Netflix series, right? Yeah. Like I hope, I hope Red Bull Motorsport is filming this right now. Like I hope they're yeah. in this. I don't know if they are every Zoom, but you got – I mean, you're not there right now, obviously. You understand. Like there's not a whole lot you can do. Like just as a trainer right now, like they have to manage their time. They're racing two days a week. What advice do you give, you know, Chase in this time where he's got to race Sunday, Wednesday – at high elevation. I mean, you don't have to disclose it, but like, it, it's a large, large volume. A high. It's hard on the body putting that much effort out. Yeah, it, it's been a lot of um, maintenance too, and I think what a lot of people don't understand, like they're at elevation, but um, but typically during a week, um, like everyone's like, oh, that's gnarly. Like they're going to be racing two days in a week, but what people don't realize is they go back to Florida and monday tuesday they're doing motos they're That's they're true. doing a ton of laps 
And uh, do you think the pressure? I might look at it as like the pressure, like the pressure of a race day. Like that's wearing in itself a little bit, isn't it? I think it's the the mental pressure and the uh, the race intensity too. But these guys, like they do, they do motos together, and they're like pretty much at race intensity during the week too. What's and what's like like what's a heart rate for an average guy? Um, one of like what, what do you feel like the average heart rate for ga- gate drop? I know what mine was, but what do you feel? Or see, and you don't don't disclose names because they don't need to happen. But like, what do you see from 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 guys from main of fifteen minute main event from gate drop to finish? What's an average heart rate? Um, I mean it's one eighty eight, one ninety, unreal max one ninety five. Like that's for, so crazy. For minutes. And then yeah, so. Whew. So you're managing their time during the week here in St. George. They're up the road five hours, four and a half hours. And then, you know, you, you, as a racer, man, it's, I, when you watch any race from afar or even up close, that uncontrollable, right? Like how hard is it? Because you've, you've done the work. You've told them what to do. You put their program together. You put their nutrition together. And that's all you can do. And they have to execute. Yeah. Yeah. It. There's, there's so much that it, you know, comes down to actually executing a race too and uh yeah like i i had done all my work for the previous three months and it got them prepared and then you kind of just like send them on their way and at that point it's like okay okay bro it's up to you now (laughs) um so that's the fun part of it and it's been a a mixed bag of emotions you could say these first three three weeks back with uh chase and ken but I mean, it, it it definitely makes my week more exciting. <laughs> yeah. So we go to the gate drops, lights main event, and Chase is just assertive to the front. Gate drops, he's gone. Into the first turn, deep, uses the berm. Chase, uh, Shane's around the inside flat tracking. Both are sketchy in their own right. They go into turn two, and Shane just puts a great aggressive pass on, mm-hmm. on Chase. Yeah. And just... Push, punches him off the track. Not dirty, in my opinion. Bam. Chase, oh, no, comes back on. And then he makes another mistake in the turn and dumps it, right? Yeah, yeah. He had one of you, like, there was someone going to the inside. I think it was Lopes, and oh, he just, like, clipped the back of him. That's and, right. And uh, went down again. And it was, like, at that point, it's, like, Is this really he, happening? his emotions are probably just, like, go, go, go. We got to get back yep. to Shane. and. And, um, you know, things are happening quick and just, uh, make one, one slight error. And like, he, he like clipped barely the, the last, like, you know, four inches of the back of his wheel and went down again. And I feel like he actually got pretty lucky cause it, it could have been bad. Like he could have went straight over the berm and yeah, yeah. had a, had a big all, one. All, but and then we, yeah. So then the, the, the Shane's is like, as what would RC say? He's, uh, he's out of there. He has a saying for it and I forgot I shouldn't even try to use that correlation but he's he's gone he's he's writing the script he's gonna turn this into a bigger points gap McElrath and then Garrett Marchbanks goes down yeah red yep. flag comes out boom reset yeah oh my god got thrown like, a bone there thrown sure. a bone but it's racing yeah it is it's racing so they get all back go back to the gate you know and I'm like geez Louise this is so gnarly now they have to Shane's got to regroup he just like was in a place to put it on cruise control Chase is like got to get his emotions intact. Yeah, that's what that's what I what I mean by Chase when his when his emotions are super elevated and and you know emotions are coming out like he 
as crazy as it gets. Like he's super competitive with with anything, even if you're playing, you know, cornhole with him. He just he he uses it to his advantage, his advantage for sure. And and it's like something that I actually look at him. I'm like, I wish I had that when I w- when I was a racer because oh I would have been a lot better. Oh, for sure. Like yeah. I, I'm sorry. Like he gets on my gate, and I would I would have bet against him, man. I'm like, this kid's so rattled right now. Like he he. Shaking, shaking. Would, like I would, I would be like, oh yeah. I would have probably looped out or spun like ch- like I saw some squids I dude, blew on the gate. I would have blown the star because the grate's wet now. By the way, guys, there's they don't have rags wiping down like no. like mechanics. They, they 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 have to change the typical like just put on the the chip and dump the clutch on that. Great. So you gotta have put more thought into that. And then once again, like we talked about earlier, the two stars come out again. I'm like, yeah. here we go. Yeah. Game uh, route. Round three, round two. Yeah, like we get to go again. Yeah, right away those two, yeah, shoot out of the gate, and that's what that's what I love. Like they, that's why they're in the position they are because they, you know, and they're they're riding to like I don't know their ele- their riding is super elevated right now. Um, Unreal. Just with with the pressure and that that's why they're in the championship hut. Yeah, and 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 you know they're racing each other hard, and I'm watching now their their heart rates up, their elevated lack of oxygen compared to sea level, and they're man and Chase and Shane are both managing the race, just managing it. Chase's got or Shane's got Chase behind him, and Chase gives him a wheel, and then there was a section that Shane was doing that he was a little faster, and then they hit the whoops and. Uh, Chase reeled him in and let him know real quick one lap. Like yeah, I, I'm here. Chase is good in the whoops. Really good. A lot of leverage on the pegs. Yeah. And, and sh- but Shane is too. Like yeah, really sh- good. They're, yeah. they're both their technique. Honestly, is probably some of the best in the lights class, if not all supercross. For right sure. Now, right. And it was a clinic. They were put on a clinic, and then hey, uh, Shane broke. He made he was he made a bad decision. Yeah. He just he just heart rates elevated. Things are coming fast. They're both navigating lappers. They're lapping people quick, and he goes to make a pass on a guy. He had no room. He should. There was nowhere Chase was going to pass him. There, he was already on his wheel. Yeah, hits a lapper. Bam on the ground. Wow. This now 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 Chase has to manage a lead, and Shane's got to go where Chase was last year, right? Yeah. That's kind of like the end of the race, really. Like for the win. Yeah, I was actually really proud of Chase because. I mean, he he followed Shane for a couple of um for a couple of laps, just stayed patient and, and like didn't drag his emotions into the, you know the second gate drop, and um yeah followed followed him and and um yeah Shane made made a mistake and and then um yeah Chase built up a lead and went on to win. Yeah, that was a beautiful ride. I mean, that track was. If you watch it on TV, I didn't see it in person, but we know it doesn't do it any justice to how rutted it was. Um, it was tough. Those transitions were so sharp. Yeah, I'm. I'm a little disheartened on like the rest of the lights class. Like, I'm super stoked, and we we don't have a lot of time, but I'm super stoked that Jerry Martin just made an awesome statement that he's sitting out. He's not going to point out. So you lost a good guy with that. Like, you know, he he wasn't racing last night so we lost some depth cold nichols was out for a long time with a shoulder reconstruction he's on the box right away so it's a two-man race in the lights class and it's one of your one of the guys is your your horse chase one of your clients and it's like it's gotta be a lot of pressure but i think you know the sport's in a great place with or with uh two potential champions of chase sexton and shane mcclarath you know um 
I think Shane made the right choice staying down another year. Um, Mm -hmm. One thing that is incredible to me is how fast those star Yamahas are. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, and they use it like their their confidence is unbelievable. They know that they're going to be start up front. Like they don't even have to get the most perfect reaction, you know, or – or um, you know the best start ever, and they're going to be up there. Like yeah, and, and, and I'm going to take another away from the Geico bike or any other bikes, but um, I know Geico's done, a, done when Ryan Cox went over there. He's done a bunch of um, refining and 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 doing stuff to those Geico engines that have made them ex- exponentially better from a year ago. So yeah, it's going. You know, those bikes are good, but the star bikes is is we can all say over here that goes without saying they are. They are the the pinnacle, as you'd say, of the motor package, even yeah. chassis. Yeah, there's there's something about those bikes that are just they got them to, unbelievable. Brad Hoffman, you know, he's done his work over there, and they're strong. They got they're like a. I think the platform really helps them too. The Yamaha platform. Yeah, it's a great. It's starting the starting the the reverse engine with the intake. The even like the Star program, it's pretty pretty cowboy. Bobby Reagan runs as a tight ship, and mm-hmm. you got to work. It's treated like a job, and. Right. And once again, outside looking in, I've never rode for Star. I've never worked for Star, but they got great people. Um, we go to 450 class. Um, it's kind of a similar thing, you know. Cooper came back on top. Um, so real quick, sorry before we jump to 450. So now Chase has a points lead going into the into uh, a break. Yeah, they have. What do they have? Um, three, two, two, two or three races. Two races. Break. I think they go west, west, east, east, west. So, yeah. So they have pretty much two races left. And it's gonna be gonna be good. I mean, I'm I'm I, I love it from a fan's point of view. These two great guys that are in shape on on great teams. I mean, there's really nothing negative. You can't say anything negative about any any one of those guys. They're great spokesmen for young men and women that are following the sport. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be the you know the the. It's gonna come down to the last race. Yeah, that's the bottom sure. line. Yeah, both both great guys and. Yeah, it's obviously I want I want Chase to win, but it's like, you know, Shane, he's an incredible rider, incredible person too. So, it's um, I mean the the best man will win. The best man will win. Yeah. Like you know, it's 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 true, and it comes back to the best man picking the best team and making the best choices during the week. And right. you know, it's it's gonna be good. And like I said, we'll wait for those last. We have the West Coast coming up next, and uh, we'll get to see what happens with. A lot of new the hunter the Lawrence brothers are coming back with Hunter and his brother and uh, you know that little donut head see what he does Jet, yeah. Jet and he's got a lot of hype around him I mean from a crash and uh, you got uh, a lot of guys coming back the West Coast is going to be good to watch Christian Craig's coming back yeah um, you know Geico's got a lot of guys that are making their return yeah. um, I I love the the Lawrence brothers I just hope they don't let like with Jet I hope I hope he doesn't let um, the hype. his, his hype and emotions get the best of him. And, and same with Hunter, like he's, he hasn't, um, like he's seen his brother have some success already and he hasn't even made his debut yet. And I, f- I just hope like he takes those right steps to, to learn Supercross and not go out and get hurt again. Yeah. Cause you know, Ferrandis has kind of got this thing. He's, he's shown he's the guy. Yeah. Right. He's shown true. he's the guy. And you're right. You know, the only thing I can say that, and you'd back this, is the saving grace for the Lawrence brothers that they got Osho in their corner. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, and I talked, we had yep. him on for the Over the Hump series in, on the podcast, and we spoke a little about his mentorship. And that's, as you know, the mental side is pff, almost everything. These guys are all insane yeah. riders. Yep. 
Johnny O was a good guy for that too. Yeah, so the you know the lights are the lights and they're the future. But now we have 450 guys and Tomac and K Rock are going to this thing ahead of Coop. And after Salt Lake, number two, Tomac's got a little bit of a, more of a cushion. And then you know he comes out and inserted himself. Like it kind of surprised me. I thought he might have a Tomac moment. Did not. No, he's been rock solid. Yeah, he's and then good. Salt Lake three, bam. Like really good again. Really good again. Cooper doesn't he just I don't know why I Cooper Webb, man. I've seen this guy time and time again. When it gets tough, he can dig mm-hmm. and dig deeper and dig deeper yeah. and put himself in the in the just bury himself at a level that it's kinda of unprecedented. Yeah, it, not a lot of people have that and yeah, he's um he he sure knows he knows how to dig deep for sure. That's a that's a good and, and his race craft and everything is yeah. really good. You gotta He got better as the laps got went on. He got faster. Yeah. Like on the, a more deteriorated track. Like he wasn't that fast when the day started when the track was okay. Yeah. And he just adapts and wants to win so bad that he just digs deep and digs deep and and I was surprised Tomac could have sat back. You know, Kenny was back having a bad night. Yep. He could have sat back, and what he did was was a power move. It it, it kind of blew me away how um, like they were both sending it, and, and I give Eli a lot of credit for um, putting it on the line and having the the comfortable points lead that he he does. And most people would have just, um, or m- most riders would have just said, "Go Dude. ahead and take it." I'll, <laughs> I'll uh, you know, I'll take a second tonight because I'm thinking long, you know, long run and yeah. championship. But he he stuck it out there, and and I I am um you know I, I work for Ken obviously, yeah. but I would say that um Eli is you know I I like him as a as a racer and and how he and his his whole family and everyone they're rock solid. Um, and he yeah he laid it out there, and I think he wanted to and i'm glad he did this actually he wanted to prove a point to coop because because coop will take that that little if he gave him an inch yeah he would stretch it to a meter yeah yeah and And he he, knows that and john told him that and his camp told him that right yeah and i think like you know i heard little chatter of like you know coop i feel like he you know as much as people have been talking about him and he has this reputation of putting it on the line and, and digging deep and stuff like he's maybe uh got a you know persona or yeah like or, or just taking it to which i totally would as a racer but he he has gotten a lot of confidence out of it so now he's kind of um i heard little little chat about him you know letting people know like he's ready to ready Go to, to race war. these guys and and stuff so i think i think eli maybe in the back of his head like no, I'm not going to roll over and just let you have it, you know, so easily. Yeah, man, as a fan, he did. Yeah. I, I didn't watch the interviews. I, I was done. But, like, I, I, I hope those guys, you said, I think we, we were talking a little bit before the podcast today, but I hope Coop didn't throw a tantrum that he didn't win, and I hope he gave Eli the credit, and I hope Eli gave Cooper the credit. They lapped Osborne. They got fourth. That's Lapped been up to fourth, yeah. Un- crazy. Unreal. Yeah. Unreal. What, like, what I think – um helped those guys so much is like on such a difficult track, it was unbelievable for me to watch their level of comfort going that speed. Like the, with, with their, with the track and the bike and everything like they were, 
they were kind of just um, they felt they looked like comfortable going that speed. Yeah, like once again, TV doesn't justice stand. If there were people in the stands, it doesn't do it justice. But the amount of deterioration in the line diversity within one lane, one jump face from a kicker to another thing, it's like. You know, I I'm I will not go into it, but like I'm bench racing here. It's like I was really surprised to see Kenny go backwards. Um, I, I off night. It was yeah. an off night. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely an off night. E- even the last, I mean, all three of these races so far, he's he hasn't been the the normal Ken, and and we all kind of know like he's been he's had this little bit of a, a dark cloud over him yep. lately. Um, you know the last two years I would say with um you know battling health issues and yep. things like that and kind of dealing with not being at his peak level fitness and and um you know everyone knows like he's not he he works he has in, more like that's why I'm saying that it's like we don't we know he works out we he know works his he, ass off like you he wouldn't really even is. you wouldn't work for him if he didn't work his ass off I know that no it it's heartbreaking to see him going through this and also knowing how much work and and like he, he goes, I, I tell him today, I'm like, dude, you check off more boxes than you even need to, to, to be at your best. So this sucks to see you going, going through this. So like, I mean, this is crazy. Like, I thank you for being transparent with this. How do, now you don't have to say what you say, but when an athlete like that caliber is going through that and let's just use it as, you know, John Smith, this athlete, he's got to change the narrative. What can his trainer, Blake Savage say to him to, to get him, over the hump like mentally like put it behind you work i mean you can say these things but they have to believe it right yeah um a lot of times as an athlete you can feel a little bit uh stuck and lost and things like that so i'm i kind of more of the i know everyone has their own different um you know coaching strategies and things like that but i my personality is more to be optimistic with the guys and and um, you know, bring them up and not not try to them. belittle them and, and tear them down. So um, these guys already have so much pressure on their shoulders, anyway. So um, you know, they put so much pressure on themselves. So for me to be like, I want to tell you the right things. That's kind of going to um, clear head, clear your head up a little bit, and um, and keep you focused for the future. Like you're, um, you know, he's got a bright future ahead of him. He's he's having. Like for the most part, or he has had his best Supercross season so far since his um, since his injury in in 2017. He's been on a gradual build up. This year has been his best so far. I mean, he's round. I mean, he's still technically in a championship position in yeah, round yeah. 14. So it's just 13. crazy when you're that good. We all expect. I'm a fan, and I expect when I say expect. Oh, he got seventh. Was he got seventh on the weekend? Um, Six or little worth. I think it was ninth. Ninth. Actually. Okay, yeah. ninth. Ninth was a bad. Like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with Ken? Yeah, like look at the guys that were right behind yeah, him. Too. Like, yeah, like, like it's just that's what happens when it's like that level of expectation that the industry, the fans, we all put on athletes, whatever sport it is, right? So we gotta, you know, like I think we as a fan, I have to take a step back. I'm like, he had an off night, right? He's he got. You know, he he was fast in practice. He did. He saw speed. He's gonna figure this out. I know he will. I know your camp. You guys will get it done. Um, you know that that that's where Ken's at. You know, Tomax put a put a stamp on it. Cooper's 
Cooper's digging himself out of a hole. I mean, I think he's thriving on this this buildup of hitting the deck of a mistake. He made a mistake. Is that's why he was on the deck and hit the concrete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. Right. A, a lightning bolt didn't strike him. No, he he no. ran out of talent for a smidgen of a second, just like AC. Yeah. Um. So like Cooper's a savage, and he's coming back from that, and he's put his stamp of speed back in it. But he's he's not really in this championship either. No. I mean, he's there ma- mathematically, but he's going to just. Now try to ruffle feathers, I think, to get into the outdoor, to get out, going into outdoors, whatever happens with outdoors, to be um, an alpha male. Right. Essentially, right? right? Like, yep. he's trying, he has a long, people don't realize how calculated men, calculated mentally Cooper is, is. He's, each lap, each practice, he's doing it mentally and physically to assert himself for the future. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> every, every race means something, and there's a lot of, uh, a lot of money on the line yep. and um you know you're only as good as your last race so yep. they're going out there to you know show these guys like I'm the best guy right now yep. so um absolutely yeah so man we got a couple of days to wait and then west coast starts and we get to see Kenny rebound and and see if Tomac can continue on before we do that and sign off I want to hear I'm going to give you my take of who my just overall, my what I think who I'm really surprised with, and who I'm wished I want a little more, and I think that's um, we'll call this the PNG refuel. Who's cool. who got refueled for the break? And uh, I would say I'm really stoked and happy. I wouldn't say surprised, but Zach Osborne, Zach yeah. Osborne getting back to like leading laps, being assertive, racing guys hard. I'm stoked to see Zach o back, back racing. He's he has gone through a funk, and he changing that narrative stuff. Um, he's a great family man. I mean, he's one of those great guys. Stoked mm-hmm. to see Zacho back up there. Um, really disheartened to see AC not change the narrative. Yeah, absolutely. Fuck God, yeah. I, the guy's that's just spokesperson. I mean, he's so polished. I know you were mm-hmm. close with AC. Yeah. And Nick Way's a phenomenal trainer, and there's so much goodness out of there. And he's he, he fucks up again and hits the ground. I know. And he's out the rest of the year. Yeah. It's like I, I'm not talking shit, guys. I'm just disheartened, and I, I want to see we our sport needs him and 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 his charismatic and his talent and he put so much work in and and it just it changed and that sucks he's back or injured on the injured reserve list um and what, a couple guys that were notable for me i think we need to needs is there is dean wilson he's back his speed's back he's healthy i thought yep. i might see him in the front longer being that he had his body time to heal um jason anderson he's just bad dude he's just He's our lifestyle threat. Scrapper. He's a scrapper. Yep. That's kind of where it's at, though. The, you know, the, I wish to see AC didn't get hurt. And um, any surprises and guys that you're like stoked on or not stoked? Give us your take of what you've seen so far um, on the return. Mookie, Mookie's been a bit better. Mookie's been Gosh, actually I, pretty solid. Big whiff on my part. Yep. Yeah. Thanks for cleaning that mess up here. Yeah. No. He he almost seemed like he was just. Um, you know, satisfied just making it through the races. And then now he's kind of up there, you know, with his normal speed and things like that. So Buki's got, got a bit better. Um, Barsh has been a little bit of a, a letdown for whatever reason. I don't know. Yeah. If it's the, Cause we're the fans, right? We're fans. We're, we're not, we're not, we're not talking shit. We're just let down no, for them as well. No, right? no, I'm not talking down on, <laughs> on anyone, but yeah, he's uh, cause he, yeah, he had the chance of being top three in, in points and yeah, he hasn't had had the roughest go. And of course, uh, you know, Ken's results haven't been the greatest, but 
something that we're we're working on and and um you know building him back up and um yeah i agree zach's zach's been really good and 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 uh i feel like all the the husky guys have been pretty solid yeah yeah um i think we we need to keep this bench racing going man we're pretty deep this is my longest podcast i've ever done longest <laughs> segment and it, we could keep going i think blake so i think we're gonna have to do a weekly call in bench racing Let's call and make it our own blake's got a lot of good things coming up um we're we're jamming out about he's got he's building his own sim car gonna get into some virtual racing four wheels he he's got a, some support from honda i believe on his utv yep, yep. For, for his personal stuff um Tell us, uh, give us a quick bite of what you got going down for the future, Blake, and and how we can support you and where we can get more information of of what you got going on. Yeah, so I've been dabbling in the four wheel world a little bit, and um, Honda, um, you know, after I got got my uh, you know healed back to a certain point, they they full on gave me one of their new um, well, 2019 it would have been uh, Honda Talons. Um, and uh, so they released their side by side and put hand controls in it and everything. And so got into that. And now it's like that's my that's my go to now instead of mountain biking and uh, riding motorcycles, I go go ride my my Talon and kind of get the same same feel um, now for that. Now that I'm uh, adjusting to it because it's a it's it's a different world. Like I was telling you, it's um, different. Um, you know depth perception of, of braking and, and traction like you got traction on four wheels now and and uh yeah i mean you can drive that thing in four wheel drive or two and i i personally like to drive it in two because you can kind of slide the car around a little bit more and make it more lively but um so learning learning a bit about four wheel driving and that's been really fun i've been going to some honda or some uh desert races with the um honda uh truck team yep yep so um recent that badass ridgeline right yep yeah. right so those guys are solid um and no and i won't buy a ridgeline no no nope, nope. it's not no, for me it's nothing <laughs> that truck is nothing like the same but uh the um and then the yeah so I, and then um one thing that I, f- I feel like i've been missing in my life is that feeling of racing and, com- and competing and and that's kind of why i got into triathlons i would say is is um well in those you you almost kind of like raise yourself you compete with yourself survival Doesn't, yeah exactly <laughs> so um no i i've um learned a lot about racing sims and, and people would probably look at it being like oh you're just you're playing a video game but it's it's actually very real and something i can get into and and like you you get into racing series like 10 12 15 race series and you you sit in this you set up this cockpit and you get this the force feedback through the for through the uh, steering wheel and and uh, that is like almost identical to what a race car is and um, you know you can race street off road all that and and then um, you you're racing you race uh, people all, ac- all across the world in these series and collect points and you're and you're ranked on in two different ways so they want you to race as close to real as as possible so. You're ranked. I think they they call it like safety rank. So it's like you can't just drive it into a corner and spin someone out uh. and have no consequence. So if you if you crash or you're taking other people out and just driving like a hazard, um, you get docked and you actually you get um, you go down in classes. So if you want to get to the top, like 
where the the real good guys are you, you gotta drive a, smart you want to drive smart you want to drive real and i like that um and then so, also performance so like how well are you doing in the races are you are you winning races are you mid-pack so that all determines like what what level you're at well it's safe to say i think CR22 spent more time on his sim by the, his weekly results. For sure, for sure. Oh, he's yeah. he's got a, he's my brother-in-law Dan Reardon. He's got a cool setup, so we'll be anxious to see. I, I want to get a bit, do a rag PNG graphic on that car of yours when you get it done. Yeah. That looks sick. I know oh, yeah. Doug Matag, our our four-wheel guy, and Lucas. He's he would be. He, I think he's going to dabble in that as well. So that's rad. I love to see that that virtual stuff. There's some stuff that's come from the scamdemic, as we were calling it earlier, <laughs> that we can, like the, the virtual sim stuff's opening up opportunities for self, like guys like yourself and other, other athletes that have been sidelined for racing. Um, and in closing, Blake, um, i got to hit the road. My crazies are going to like be like gophers digging They're up your lawn. Crazy. But um, <laughs> l- l- I want to like give you some platform to thank any of the people that you know have been behind you this last uh year and a half, you know, and through these, these unreal times of yours, get building back your, 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 yourself. Yeah. I have a lot of people to thank, um, that it just stuck by my side and helped build me up. And first off my, my family and my fiance Bailey and, um, Courtney and Ken, they've, they've been there, um, you know, right with me the whole time supporting me and, um, Chase and, and his family and, um, everyone like uh road to recovery has been a really big thing for me and and their support and it's amazing what they do i mean such selfless people and and what they do non-profit organization for for athletes and you know they've they've helped out so many they've helped out jesse uh weston pike and and him financially and you know paying for his medical bills and things like that and and um so such huge relief that they've taken the weight off my shoulders um in a lot of different, lot of different ways. Um, and just, um, yeah, uh, my friends who continue to, you know, help bring me up and, and, you know, make me feel like, you know, I'm still have a, you know, full life to, to live and a purpose. And, well, we all, um, we all know that those times can be tough, but you for damn sure have a full life to, life to live and you definitely have a more of purpose than most people. So, for sure. Keep that head up, man. Yeah, for sure. And um and then there's you know, so so many other people that have stuck with me, uh hundred percent has been with me so so long now and those guys, I mean, even when Sponsor I Sponsor of the show. Away, yeah, there we go. Um even when I uh, It really is your lifestyle, from, right? One hundred percent, right? Like right. like how much effort do you give? I remember that was the first ad they did and true. I, I, I happened to be in it. Yeah, and it's, it's like very, very how true. much effort do you give? So Mark Blanchard, Luda Bernard, Russ Coza, Irve Orney, some of the the OGs there. Um, you know, I know this this once again the scandemic's been tough on them. And uh, thank you to 100 percent for backing backing Blake Savage um, and supporting the sport. Yeah, those guys are they're unbelievable. And yeah, like most most sponsors is like after you after you're you know walk away from racing, you got nothing to offer them. They just like you know they just completely forget about you and i have those guys especially russ there he's like always messaging me like how you doing dude like i'm gonna we're coming out with these new products like i'm gonna send you some of it um you know what's your address so super cool and you know says a lot a lot about them as a company and and then um yeah png is has been incredible and um you sent me like you and i have been buddies forever and you're like dude 
let me send you some stuff. I want you to try it. I'm like, man, I got it. I'm like, it's hard for me to even drink water now. It's, it's <laughs> unbelievable. And yeah, and it's something... been, it's been cool. Blake, we've taken, Blake's been a big part of our, our uh, formulation stuff for what we're coming up next. So yeah, it's yeah. been cool. Like Evolving. Blake's not just a, a uh, ambassador of ours. His athletes use it. They believe in it. Um, we, we support Blake and his athletes um, because it's what Blake feels his athletes need yeah. and what they need to use is our hydration and refuel for, for days. And, uh, we have some cool stuff we're working with Blake on future products that we'll dive into later. But yeah, man, yeah. we, we, we're very blessed to have you on, on the pinnacle program. And, yeah, and, and I, yeah. And like, I, I work with my guys on the nutrition side of things and they know, um, I'm pretty flexible with a lot of things and they've, they've dabbled in a lot of other supplements out there and, and, you know, try different things, what works for them. And sometimes they get, they get bored of certain, um, you know, hydration drinks and, and things like that. And they, they really need all of the, all of the electrolytes to, cause I mean, they both live in Florida, so they're constantly, um, sweating and, and on the border, borderline dehydrated yeah. all the time. So, um, you know, they need something that they're not going to get tired of. They're going to want to stay hydrated all the time. So I, I tell them like, you know, I almost educate them on the hydration and nutrition part of things. And then I leave it up to them. Like, you know, they kind of approve it through me. Like, Hey, I'm going to take this. What do you think? I'm like, yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, send them some PNG stuff and they're, it, and they're just like always messaging me back. Like, Hey, I'm getting, <laughs> especially chase. Like he's probably drinking that stuff all yeah, the time. <laughs> yeah. It is rad. No, thank you for letting us be a part of your program because we trust in you to give us those guidance for the, your athletes. It's been a big, you know, big blessing for a small company like us to be involved with your, once again, Blake Savage is training and what he does for guys. And, uh, well, Blake, I really appreciate your time today. This, we could keep going, man. This is great stuff, sure. but I think it's time that I, you got to go to a PT appointment, I think. Hopefully, I didn't. I, we didn't miss it. No, we're good. I'm uh, going at 5. Okay, cool. It's 4.30 over here in St. George, Utah on a Monday. And it's time for us to sign off at the My Two Life podcast presented by the Pinnacle Nutrition Group. I'm going to hit the road to, to Park City. Yep, cool. I, I would like to go watch some racing, but I'll watch it like you on TV. Yeah. And then uh, we're going to meet up with Chase and Ken and get him some product. Go see Courtney, um, and uh, that's your sister there, and kind of have some fun there. I'm going visit, to visit a lot of de- dealers selling some product, put on that sales hat. But until next one, folks, we appreciate you, Blake, and we'll, we're signing off. Peace. Yeah, thanks. We'll uh, we'll do it again, and I'll see you at the end of the week. I'm going to go up to Park City, and but I'll be watching from the TV like you. Right on. <laughs> I'm just going to go hang out. We'll watch it together six feet apart. Sounds good. Peace, bro. <laughs> see ya.